in Australia, not going to mention the company's name, yep. but in Australia, the uh, CEO stepped down and the CFO took over the role. And the first directive to the Philippines was we need to reduce cost. You know, you have to remove some people there. And seven of us were, were given a walking papers two weeks before Christmas. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. This is Andrew Stotts of A. Stotts Academy, where we help people facing four different challenges. Investors who want to better manage their stock portfolio. Aspiring professionals who want to learn how to value any company in the world. Business leaders who want to make their companies financially world-class. And even beginners who just want to learn how to implement a simple lifetime investment plan. Join us for free at myworstinvestmentever.com slash academy and get instant access to my short course called Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win. That this course comes from what I've learned from all of these podcast interviews. All right. And now on with the show. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts, and I'm here with featured guest, John Pastor. John, are you ready to rock? Oh, I'm good, Andrew. Thanks yeah. for having me today. Yes, and we've been just chatting a bit before this, and I know you're ready to, to bring it to the audience. But let me tell the audience about you a little bit. So sure. John Pastor has close to two decades of leadership experience in the business process outsourcing industry in the Philippines. And that's an industry that's, you know, I just want to interject here. It's an industry that's massive in the Philippines, and there's some unique yeah. advantages in the Philippines and I can tell you, I have benefited substantially from that industry. So for those listeners who are not benefiting from outsourcing in the Philippines, well, listen up and you're going to learn from one of the pros in that area. So John has numerous years of experience in both the in-house and outsourced areas of industry and has the, had the opportunity to work with top tier multinational organizations since 2001. Aside from operations, he's also well-versed in different areas of business, such as continuous improvement, quality, sales and business development, workforce management, facility management, training and human resource recruitment, as he's had these opportunities to oversee directly or indirectly respected department heads in those different areas. Now, John is passionate about people development, creating a positive culture and working environment client and stakeholder relations, customer advocacy, and running day-to-day -day operations. That's quite a lot of stuff <laughs> that you have done and are doing. John, take a minute to fill in further tidbits about your wow. life. Thank you for the very warm introduction, Andrew. Happy My to be pleasure. here. Yes, as you mentioned, you know, I've had a very long journey in the uh, business process outsourcing uh, industry here in the Philippines. Yes, it's pretty big. We're you know, running head-to-head -head with India in terms of you know how big it is for those two countries aside from that well that's it's close to two decades of you know exposure in the industry i've managed all types of verticals whether it's in the telecommunications field or the banking and finance field numerous you know locations whether it's the us the uk or australia you name it I, i've managed that you know but right now currently i've you know, shifted into the fintech payments industry, currently with a company called GHL, and I'm uh, the chief operating officer here in the Philippines. Hmm. Yeah. On and a personal level, you know, I happily married 
since 2005. We are blessed to have one daughter. Her name's Emma. She was born in 2009. Yeah. Fantastic. Tell me a little bit more about the GHLs, you know, and what, what's happening with that. That sounds like an interesting business. It is, it is, yeah. The payments industry is starting to get, you know, huge here in the Philippines. We do run a traditional business. Obviously, you're familiar with, if you go to a store, you see those credit card terminals mm-hmm. where you swipe your credit or debit card. That's our business. Got in it. a traditional sense, we, we supply that, we maintain that, we service that, we sell that. The good thing with, you know, GHL is we also have an online payments you know, avenue. Mm. So it's not just a traditional business. We do have the online payment area as well. Right. So right now, because of the pandemic, it's very useful because, you know, people don't go out, they buy stuff online and then they use, you know, Mm. our services. So you guys got to be pretty busy, I'd imagine. I mean, it's a challenge for some businesses, whereas other businesses like, you know, hospitality or something are kind of shut down. But I can imagine you've had a busy a busy period. Especially here in the Philippines, Andrew, since March, since all this, you know, pandemic started, it's been it's been crazy. I agree with you. It's mm. been crazy, especially here in the Philippines because of the numerous cases that we have. Yep. From a work perspective, it has obviously impacted a lot of us here in the Philippines. Just to give you, you know, a figure, the small and medium enterprise you know, situation here in the Philippines, close to about 4,000 SMEs have shut down their business. Right. From our end, obviously, if we look at our revenue forecasts versus the actual number, you know, it's, it's, it's been down since March. Yep. But we're surviving. You know, we're, yep. we're, we're trying to be more creative to think out of the box and provide, you know, that unique service mm. to our merchants here in the Philippines. And I have a question for you, you know, what's something interesting that let's say a Westerner may not know, or someone that just doesn't know the Philippines about, you know, managing people in the Philippines. Like I think about Thailand, one of the things that I didn't know when I came to Thailand is that Thais are not as motivated by money Mm. as Americans are. So if you say, you know, yeah, we're going to have a sales contest and, you know, it's going to be for this cash or this, that. And then you find out that the response to that is just different from the way that, let's say, an American sales team may respond to that. I'm just curious, for those people that don't know much about the Philippines, what would be something unique about the way to manage a Philippine workforce? Wow, it's interesting. Very good question, Andrew. I've had colleagues from the U.S., from the U.K., from Australia, who were first-timers in the Philippines, and they were tasked to to manage you know, teams here or groups here. I could say that in a nutshell, it's very similar to Thailand. People here in the Philippines, the workforce, they're not as motivated you know, with regards to monetary rewards. Mm. It's more of the, they look for you know, positive reinforcement. They look for you know, that simple pat on the back, hey, you did a good job. What's big here, is you know when you have those big town hall events and then you give you know do recognition to people it doesn't have to have any monetary value just give them certificates or medals because let's say you're the employee of the month right that's huge here it's so huge recognition here. It, yeah for their recognition. hard work 
And that's something that those co-managers that I worked for before from the U.S., from the U.K., from Australia, they, they, they also learned that when they were here. So they actually had the same mm. comments as you did a while back. So Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, thanks for sharing that. I mean, that's the beauty of a podcast is we get to learn about each other. And of course, yeah, that's that I love that part of it. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one ever goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us mm -hmm. a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story. Sure. Yeah, I'll be happy to do that, Andrew. Thank you very much. As I mentioned earlier, I've had a very long and interesting journey career-wise in the business process outsourcing industry in the Philippines. I graduated way, way back in 94. And, you know, after I graduated from college, from university, first few years were dedicated into sales. So I was doing a lot of sales work, selling cars, selling, you know, real estate and all that. And then uh, early 2000s, uh, 2000, late 2000, early 2001, I discovered the uh, business process outsourcing industry. So uh, I joined, you know, a multinational U.S.-based company here in the Philippines. At that time, probably they were like the second, you know, company to put up, you know, an office here in the Philippines. So very good training, very good everything. I learned a lot from them and I've, I've stayed with that um, industry ever since. So I worked for several different organizations, uh, multinational organizations, and I stay, I, you know, I've been in the industry from 2001 till 2019. And probably there was this one year wherein I wanted to try my HR, you know, I wanted to put on an HR hat because I graduated with a human resource degree, never practiced it. So when I had an opportunity to do that with a local bank here, I, you know, I did that for, for a year on a consultancy basis for one year. But you know, going back to the story, so I was in the industry from uh, 01 to 2019. And if I look back in my career, you know, there was a, a period of time wherein it was very dark in terms of you know, what was happening career-wise for me. Mm. I remember the date exactly, December 15th, 2015. You know, I was with a you know, multinational company two weeks before Christmas. And I get this news that, hey, you know, thank you for your service, but, you know, your work has been, uh, we're giving you redundancy papers. Mm. So about seven of us were, were given our walking papers at the time, two weeks before Christmas. And, uh, the reason for that, Andrew, was in, you know, in Australia, I'm not going to mention the company's name, yep. but in Australia, the uh, CEO stepped down and the CFO took over the role. And the first directive to the Philippines was we need to reduce cost. You know, you have to remove some people there. And seven of us were, were given our walking papers two weeks before Christmas. Very painful at the time. And, you know, obviously, wherever you are, in the world, whether it's in the Philippines or somewhere else, you're not going to get anything. You know, you can't look for work near Christmas yeah. or even January because people are still, you know, in the, celebrating for the listeners the out there, Christmas yeah. is a big deal in the Philippines. <laughs> it starts, uh, it starts in June <laughs> or June. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Yeah, that's, that's very true. So uh, it took me 
Andrew, this is the, you know, the real deal. It took me yep. about, you know, October 2016. That's mm. when I got my very first job offer. It was very difficult for me. At the time, my wife was still working, but obviously we just started a family. A lot of bills were were not that had to be terrifying. Yes. And here in the Philippines, I guess it's a I'm not sure if it's a Philippine thing or an Asian thing, you know, especially if you're male, you know, you're you're the, the head of the family. When you don't when you're unemployed, there's a certain stigma that's attached to it. Yep. Because we don't only take care of our immediate families, we also take care of you know the parents, the cousins, and all that. So it, it's mm. you know uh, how it is in the Philippines. So right. it, it took a toll on me, mentally, physically, emotionally. And you know the first job offer I got, I took it. <laughs> Understandably, took it, you know, no, no, no questions asked. You know, I just took it. And the funny thing is, you know, after a few months, the same thing happened. The same thing happened mm. uh, this time around. You know, the, the uh, this company, based in Australia as well, decided to move all their business from the Philippines to India, mm. because from a back office work perspective, it was a lot cheaper. Right. Which is which is true at that yep. time, right? Yep. So again, I, I probably had like five months, or sorry, seven months, stay wow. with them. Then it happened again. So, so the strike two for me. And, and then, and uh, how was that? How was it? How long did it last on the second time? The second time only lasted for about probably a month and a half. Mm. I was able to 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 land a new role again. I'm just curious, by the way, about your yeah. your first one. Yeah. Can you remember your darkest day? During that time, like what, what it was one day or one moment in time where you were at some place and you, mm. you, you just were at your darkest time. The darkest time was probably in the fourth month of searching for a new role. I was talking to my wife. We were talking about, you know, financial obligations mm. and stuff, which, you know, this conversation, which turned into a, one argument and yeah, a lot of things were said, which you regret afterwards, mm -hmm. right? But I guess that was the darkest period for me because I felt so incompetent. Right. I felt like, hey, am I, you know, I've, I've done my part. I, I've tried applying to different roles. I've gone through numerous interviews. It's exhausting. I went through like final interview stages. And then just, you know, some of them said, you know, sorry, but we got someone else, but some of those other companies didn't say anything at all. Yeah, Nothing, yeah. zero, zilch. So it's a very frustrating time. And, you know, obviously my, 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 my temper was very short at the time mm. as well because yeah. it was so frustrated. I would say that was the, the worst, you know, day. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Until, yeah. you know, you know, wanted to change that when I woke up in the morning. I went, okay, you have to be. You have to remain positive. You have to, you know, do your best and all that. So, okay. So, so going, yeah, yep, sorry, go ahead. Andrew, I, go ahead. I'm just thinking about how did it end? I mean, when can you say that you finally were able to get that job and, and all of a sudden feel like, okay, now I'm back on my feet? Hmm. I guess on, so after eight, eight months of, of searching, when I got the job offer, I felt so relieved. 
felt so, you know, when I got the job offer, you know, I looked at my email and then immediately ran to my wife. Hey, finally, you know, I got something. I've got a job offer. It was a similar role to what I had before. Mm. Similar company, you know, headquarters were this, from the same country. So I was very excited. You know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, my wife was the first to know. So I told her the good news and, you know, she was very happy for me. Yeah. And yeah. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. And at that time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so what lessons did you learn from this experience? Take your time. Hmm. I know based from what I described, I know like eight months was a, was a long wait. But in retrospect, when, if I look back, even though, you know, the, uh, I didn't have a, you know, job at that time and I was in, unemployed and, you know, I wasn't earning any money. I wasn't contributing to the family. My wife was still working at the time. And I didn't, you know, I didn't ask a lot of questions to open up, you know, conversations about the role, about your plans in the Philippines. Do you plan to stay long in the Philippines? I never mm -hmm. asked those questions. Right. So I just wanted to grab the first opportunity that was there because the first thought that came to my mind was, I need to have a job. Yep. Yep. I need to support my family. I need yep. to support my wife. So that's the biggest lesson for me. Got it. Maybe I'll, I'll share one story from my life about this. And that was when uh, the 1997 Asian financial crisis happened and I lost yep. my job and we had a coffee factory that we still have to this day, but we were just starting it. And so it was so painful. My best friend and I had to live in the factory because we just couldn't run out of money. And, you know, it was wow. such a tough time. And then to make matters worse, my sister passed away from cancer at that time. So I was, you know, home with her in the US and then came back to Thailand and I was really depressed. Yeah. And I thought there's, there's just no way I'm going to get a job. This crisis could go on for a long time. And I just didn't see a way out. And I can remember, you know, waking up in that factory. Oh man, it just was depressing. Right. And, you know, nothing's happening because our customers were, you know, practically gone. Right. And there was a few things that, that got me out of it. You know, one of the things was my best friend who runs the coffee business. He said, look, we've got to move to like an apartment nearby we can't stay in the factory forever because it's just going to destroy our mentality. So one lesson that I learned is you have to change the circumstances a bit to get yourself to break, break the cycle of the way you're feeling. Right. So that's one lesson I took away from that. And then the other one is that, and I think you can hear it, you know, when you talk about this is that for me, I can only speak for me and I can only speak for men or a man like me is that so much of my self-worth came from my job. So when I lost that and when I couldn't get one, I felt terrible about myself. And that's something that, you know, I, I often tell my friends, my female friends that, you know, I tell them this story and I say, look, if you really want to understand most men, they derive a huge amount of their self-worth from their work. Definitely agree with you. And if you don't understand that and you expect them to not do that, you know, you may be expecting something that's really hard for them to, to do. Mm -hmm. And so I learned a lesson and that is I stopped the idea of, oh, I, maybe I want to work for five years and then take some time off. Nope, not for me. 
I'm happy to, <laughs> I'm happy to be working all the time. And even when the COVID right. situation came, I decided that I knew from this experience that I had to keep myself, you know, busy. And, you know, I, obviously we all have businesses and other things that we're trying to keep going, but the main thing I did is I focused in on my online courses. I, I got a lot of interns that have helped me a lot, a tremendous amount. And I just focused in on, you know, how am I going to, you know, make sure that we're building our business through this crisis. So that's my big takeaway is that a man's confidence comes maybe disproportionately from yeah. his work and anything you'd add to that? Well, I definitely agree. Self-worth goes down the drain if, if you're not employed or, yeah. you know, if you, uh, if you lose your job that you've been passionate about your whole life and then you suddenly lose it, you know, sets you back a lot. Yeah. And yeah. definitely agree with it. I guess one thing I, f I forgot to add, aside from the argument I had with my wife, I had to stop paying for my, my parents' rent. That was very painful as well. And I had to ask help from my brother who was in the US to, you know, give more in terms of financial support. And it was very embarrassing as well because yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the eldest in the family. And, you know, the expectation was obviously for me to support my, my parents. They're pretty old now. Mm. And very painful experience yeah. for me at the time. So, you know, I just want to highlight to the listeners out there, you know, John is a successful man and He's lived a successful life and what he's going through is the, the willingness to kind of revisit the struggles that you've been through. And the benefit of this podcast for all the listeners out there is to take, take energy and power from John and from his experience that you will make it through this. You will make it through the tough time that you're facing. So let me ask you, based upon what you learned from this story and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate or to deal with it as it comes? I would tell all the listeners, Andrew, if you are looking for, for work, take your time mm -hmm. and ask questions. Yep. You know, during the interview process, you know, ask as many questions as possible. You know, break down the barrier. Make sure that you are, you know, you're, you're getting into something that you truly love. And the role that you're getting into is something that, you know, based on your core competencies would really align, so to speak, with the job role. Mm. Because, you know, I think it's very important because if you're not happy with your role, then even if you go to work every day, you know, it's just like dragging yourself to work. Yep. Yeah. Who but wants important to do thing that? Is if, <laughs> yeah, it's true. If you're yeah. unemployed and you're desperately wanting to work, don't just grab the first thing that's out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, look for, for something that you truly want to be a part of, whether it's a company or a role. I think yep. if, you know, if you can have those two combined, that's great. Yeah. And I would add one other thing, which is the idea that don't, you know, a lot of times we blame ourselves. Yes. And it's, it's necessary and it's sometimes very right. But there are times in life where circumstances are a major factor. And when you're facing that situation, I think the one thing I would say is don't be too hard on yourself. You know, and this idea of takes time, you know, it just, this too shall pass is what 
we learn from the right, Bible. Yeah. So yeah, you, you have to remain positive <laughs> because I, you know yeah. when those negative you know ideas come into mind, then you know it's just gonna beat you up. Yep. I I mentioned a a story that I had in my past where I was facing that depressing time and. I volunteered at, at kind of an orphanage or a place for abused or abandoned children. And, you know, what I, what happened was I realized how grateful I needed to be for what I had. And so I remember that a very good friend many years ago, an older guy said to me, you can't think your way into better action. You have to act your way into better thinking. And it made me think that, you know, okay, what he's telling me is get out there and do something good for someone else. Take the action and that will reshape your thinking. But if you're sitting at home all alone, trying to reshape your thinking and thinking that that's going to lead to better action, it's just a tougher, it's a tougher way to do it. Correct. So. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? Oh, on a professional level, probably, you know, stay in the, the payments industry. I know it's going to be huge here in the Philippines, you know, try to grow our company, try to grow, you know, the online payments, you know, platform as well, aside from the traditional business that we have. And on a personal level, you know, just, you know, make sure that the family is as well taken care of, be healthy, you know, hopefully this COVID situation is, is uh, soon finished. Uh, yeah. You know, hopefully we can go back to normal come next year. So, you know, I have a 10-year-old daughter is turning 11. She has been, uh, you know, stuck in the house for, for the longest time. She misses her friends. She wants to go out. She misses traveling. Uh, I miss traveling. Yeah. So that's one thing that we haven't done for the past few months. Yeah. So hopefully things ease up in the coming 2021 and we can, you know, go visit some places. Absolutely. And I look forward to seeing you in the Philippines. <laughs> well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. Remember to go to myworstinvestmentever.com slash academy to get access to the short course, Six Ways to Lose Your Money and Six Strategies to Win. As we conclude, John, I want to thank you for coming on the show. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into <laughs> you, your Andrew. best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Oh, thank you very much, Andrew, for having me today. And thank you to your listeners for, you know, sparing some time to listen to me today. Parting words. Yeah. Just be positive, you know, keep a positive frame of mind. Things will get better. Thank you very much. Fantastic. And I think I just want to remind the listeners that it is John's vulnerability and willingness to look at his past struggles that makes him a better manager. And I challenge all of us out there to follow his example and explore our struggles and be willing to talk about them and feel them. And that makes us a more compassionate person in life and in business. And that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and most importantly, protect our wealth fellow risk takers. This is Andrew Stotts, your worst podcast host for the day saying, I'll see you on the upside.